0: Hi there, listener, and welcome to this ski podcast special. This is an interview with Joe Ponte, CEO at Hotel Plan, and they're the company who own Ingham's, Esprit Holidays, Flexi Ski, and Ski Total. We talk about his uh, difficult first season, having started in November of uh, 2020, uh, optimism bias. We talk about record early bookings for next season, and also the future of the Chalet Holiday. Uh, I really enjoyed speaking to Joe and I think you'll enjoy this interview too. Uh, hi there Joe how are you today I'm great Ian. it's great to be here okay well great to have you on the show obviously kind of unusual times so it'd be great to interview in a, in, in a season when we're selling loads and loads of uh, holidays but before we move on to uh, Ingham's and hotel plan specifically I wanted to kind of uh, get a bit of a background I know you started with hotel plan back in the uh, autumn but can you give us a, a bit of background as to you know where you're working or who you're working for prior to that
1: absolutely so um, I've actually been working with the Hotel Plan Group um, for the last almost three years. So pre- prior to this job, I was the managing director of adventure travel company Explore Worldwide that sits as a part of the um, Hotel Plan Group. And I've worked in the travel industry since my first job in 1999 as a travel agent, worked from tourism bodies to tour operators, travel agency groups. So I've got pretty wide, wide experience across the industry,
0: both in my native Australia and now here in the UK. Yeah. And interestingly, I did. I... I did do a bit of research, I knew some of that uh, already, Mm -hmm. and I I saw that you were a marketing manager, I think, for flight centres in Australia.
1: Correct, I ran the marketing function for Australia uh, for flight centre for about five years, back in the early 2000s actually.
0: Well, here's something that might surprise you. I actually worked for Flight Centres myself in Brisbane when I lived there in the early 90s when you know there were still they were a big company uh, by yes. then already but they were still growing and uh, growing fast. And you know, I actually I really enjoyed my time there and I felt that it gave me um, the training they gave was amazing. It really helped my uh, sales skills uh, in particular and uh, yeah, great, great place to get a background in the travel industry, in my opinion.
1: It really is. It's it's absolutely where I got my start. I went from being a travel consultant to be running marketing for the the Australian business within three years. So they really give you an opportunity to do well. So I I had a great time working at Flight Center. It really set off my career, I must say.
0: Uh, So you moved over to the UK. You're working for Explore, which I think probably listeners might be familiar with, but they're adventure holidays. That's also within the hotel plan group. And in November 2020, you were promoted to the CEO position at Hotel Plan. Now, at that stage, it looked mm-hmm. like we might have a relatively normal ski season, but sadly, mm-hmm. within a, a few weeks, we saw the UK mm-hmm. go into that second lockdown and the Kent variant emerged. Um, I guess you probably weren't expecting this for your first season in charge.
1: Oh, I've, I, I don't know about that, Ian. I mean, I I, the, I had to make the decision on those first cancellations on my second day in the job, and you know, <laughs> right. so it was a pretty interesting um, initiation into the role. But what I learned at my time as Explore and Explore dealt with uh, the crisis. I did all the hotel plan group businesses dealt with it excellently. And what I've learned in through that period is that when you're in a leadership role in any of these travel companies at the moment it's easy to have optimism bias you want things to go well you want to get trips away i want to be able to tell my bosses that we're taking people on holiday but you've got to balance that with realism so we kind of i kind of do my best to hope and plan for the best but be prepared for the worst case scenario and i've got to say at october into november it was becoming pretty obvious that those early departures Ski departures were not going to get away. Going into the Christmas period, I was actually feeling reasonably optimistic that we'd get the second half of the season away. The, um, the infection rates had come down, but then we got hit with these variations of the virus. And from when I, when I finished up on out the 18th of December to when I came back early January, the world had changed completely, and it was becoming pretty obvious from January that it was going—we were really going to struggle to get any of the season away, which is absolutely gutting. You know, we're we're a business chock full of skiers. Everyone in my leadership team would have been on that first departure out to go skiing but um we all was and we all just wanted to get our customers away as well but it was not to be this season
0: evidently it's very frustrating and i find it interesting there you're firm to uh, refer to optimism bias i think i probably suffered from that a little bit back in the uh autumn you know through the podcast we've you know we discussed at regular points so you know when might we get to go skiing and then it moved from when we might get to go skiing to if we might get to go skiing and you know as it goes I was extremely lucky I managed to get out in that small window uh, to Switzerland when uh, uh, there was no quarantine period in place but uh, you know that didn't last very uh, long and unfortunately I think you obviously referred that you you said you weren't going to operate any holidays until the end of February and then it was the end of March and I think a couple of days ago uh, hotel plan confirmed that they weren't going to be operating any holidays at all for this winter. And that's a pretty big call to make. How, how do you come around to making those decisions? Yeah.
1: We we, we, uh, we approach it pretty methodically. So every Tuesday I have, I have a, a COVID re- response meeting with uh, product operations communications and our customer service team, where we just review all the information that we have. We have a very we put in place a really structured program where we shortened all balance of payments to four weeks just to give us as much time as possible to get a trip away. But before we asked people for money, I didn't want to be asking people for money to then have to be refunding them for uh, four weeks later. So we pushed it to four weeks. And at the beginning of each month, we would make the call for the following month. So at the end of January, um, that's when we made the decision for March. Now coming in towards the end of February, it's just become blatantly obvious that we're not going to get anything away. You know, we have Boris's big announcement on the 22nd, and it's hard to determine exactly what he's going to be talking about in the roadmap to out of coming out of uh, lockdown. But there is some talk that pubs might not even be open till May. So that. Just for us, it just made it blatantly obvious that there's no way we're going to get any departures away. And we had to make that really regrettable decision to, to cancel the season. It's, it's just unbelievable even just to say it, that the season's been cancelled. But we're just now doing our best to focus on making next season the best season we've ever had.
0: I mean, I, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. And, you know, we still have a holiday booked notionally for Easter but you know i know that isn't going to happen i've been rating the chances at naught to 5% but i'm sure you're aware there's a, a lobbying group within the travel industry out there at the moment called save our summer yep and save our summer is giving a message to government saying well, based on the number of vaccinations and the number of people who have had their first and second jabs, et cetera, and the infection rate, they're lobbying for a start to international travel for the 1st of May. So evidently skiing, you know, and and that's the travel industry suggesting that the 1st of May might be a good day to start again. (laughs) So clearly that ski season, you know, is not uh, not going to happen. I mean, there are some very encouraging signs, though, I feel, just within this week in relation to, Travel being, let's say, smooth and borders opening up in relation to vaccination passports, etc. The deal between uh, Greece, Cyprus and Israel. And then yeah. I read in the paper uh, today that Spain have started negotiations or started to discuss with the UK government about some kind of you know, vaccination protocol. So all of those things are much more encouraging for next year. Absolutely. And there's been a lot of a lot of talk about how 2021 to 22, i.e., next season, bookings are looking strong. Uh, can you give me any more insight into that? Yes, absolutely.
1: Uh, so, of the people that we've been cancelling out of this season, 60% immediately are booking into the next season, which is fantastic. But we're also getting a huge number of new bookings into next season. Right now, we are 100% up on where we ordinarily would be in bookings for next winter. It's incredible. And so once those normal booking curves uh, return, I think it's gonna be an absolutely bumper season. We're, we're, right now we're booking between 1,500 and 2,000 passengers into our total winter program next year. And that's unheard of for this time of year. That's including our Sanders Lapland program up in Norway and all of our ski product. Um, so yeah we're really excited some of the some a few dates here and there are starting to look a bit tricky so you know this is not me being the, the sales guy but if I I am going to be booking my trip very soon because if you're after a specific resort specific dates or a specific hotel things are starting to get pretty full already
0: you know I have seen and heard that message and you know I'm uh, I have access to a bit of uh, analytics and sales data as well for various clients I work with it's not just uh, talk for sure I think in those peak dates you know one of the limited, is always going to be the number of, for example, charter flights that get packaged uh, up. So I presume that's the sort of date you're talking about where availability is looking a little tighter, that kind of half to mid-February time.
1: Absolutely, it, it certainly is, and particularly on the, like so. We've got our charter flights um, sorted, and and they are filling up quickly. We're monitoring monitor every single flight on a weekly basis, and some of them are getting into the, that that sort of red zone where there's not too much um availability left.
0: And what is interesting is that although the pandemic has evidently uh, affected a lot of people's livelihoods, we have seen data that says that people from the higher income groups have been less affected. They've increased their savings. There's a lot of pent up demand there for yep holidays and i think that's probably what you're seeing you know coming through there people want to have something to look forward to you mentioned you know optimism people want to have these things uh Absolutely. in the calendar and for you know a lot of people will have missed two seasons of skiing because if their normal time for going skiing is let's say easter because half term is pretty expensive then that's two easters uh in a row gone so yes that's it makes sense that people would do those bookings what i find really encouraging is you're saying okay you've carried over you know 60% of bookings but if 100% if you're up 100% year on year then that's a lot of other people who Absolutely. are booking that much further in advance which is yes. really good and look, our own
1: in, uh, internal research, it really endorses the things that you're saying. A majority of our customers are over 40 um, and they have a higher disposable income and they are really looking to travel. They want to travel and they want to have this ski trip to look forward to. What I'm learning my, more, most about skiers is that skiers absolutely love to ski. And so for the people in my team who've had two years without skiing, for them, that's absolutely devastating. So we we will see them come back and they're coming back really strong. And what we're also seeing is that a number of people are booking two trips. So one, early in the season and one late in the season just trying to make up for those lost seasons and just to make sure they're not rusty for that second trip
0: yeah well purely anecdotally i can say to you that we've had that discussion in our household as well we often because i kind of work in the industry we have been able to go skiing a couple of times in a few seasons but for next year we're definitely looking at two trips <laughs> you, you won't know, be the that, only one that, that maybe early uh you know high resort pre-christmas or even christmas uh, kind of trip plus uh, an easter one uh, as well. Uh, Tell me, Joe, are you a skier as well?
1: I'm becoming a skier. So as a young man, I did a season in Colorado and, and, and snowboarded for Three months straight, and and then uh, I had most of my life and career in warmer climates, um, not with not too much access to to ski fields. But since I've been in Europe, and particularly part of the hotel plan group, I've been a number of times and loved it. My three sons have been on their school ski trip twice, and uh, we're going to go on a ski a family our first family ski trip uh, this coming winter. Probably looking at Obergurgel is the one we're we're probably aiming for.
0: Great, excellent. Well, that's it. I can tell you uh, that obergurgle would be an excellent choice. As an aside, it happens to be where my uh, my parents met in Obigurgle. Is that right? So, you are yeah. you are a mountain man, aren't you? <laughs> for sure. That that's right. I've been uh, involved in it for many years, and that's why it kind of burns me up not to be able to oh, sure uh, get does. out there as much. But that's what you know. Listeners to the podcast are, are like that uh, as well. So just thinking about uh, you know next winter, you know, hopefully vaccines, infection rates going down, but just on the off chance that there are uh, any problems for next year, are there assurances in place for skiers who, who are making their bookings early?
1: Well, before I get on to that, and yes, there definitely are, um, uh, regarding what the next ski season is going to be like, uh, I'd love my optimism bias to be right, and it's just going to be 100% back to normal, the virus is a thing of the past, but the reality is the the COVID virus is going to be with us for some time, and I think what we're going to see is operators like ourselves, working really closely with resorts, will be doing their very best to create a safest environment as possible. And I was talking to a fellow, Alex, who's the head of um, uh, Swiss Tourism here in the UK, and uh, he talking about the fact that the swiss ski resorts they're all operating now for swiss nationals so they're getting a lot of training in about Safety um, on the ski. They've got COVID angels who make sure people are standing far, apart from each other as they're queuing for the gondolas. And they're really learning how to create a safer environment. And I think that's what people should be looking for and looking towards. Is ski the ski season will get away? There's I feel there's no doubt about that next season. Um, but it will be probably a slightly different experience. Um, and and everyone should be willing to embrace that because the most important things is getting up to the mountains. In reference to your question about uh refunds and, and should the worst happen and the season be cancelled again we'll do exactly what we did last time around which is give people uh, two option three options you can rebook you can take a credit note, or you can get a hundred percent refund. That's our responsibility and requirement as a part of the travel package regulations to refund if we have to cancel, and we take that very seriously.
0: Yeah, well, that's great to hear, and interesting to hear you talk about Alex from Switzerland Tourism as well. So I did actually get out to Cromontana in Switzerland in December, and I've covered you know what's been going on in Switzerland. We have a reporter out there, Charlie, who's been out to a whole bunch of different resorts, and all of those measures. You know, I felt completely safe when I was in Cromontana. I mean, it was you know relative low season so there weren't that many people in resort but the social distancing is marked in all of the queues and there was mask wearing there was reduced occupancy in the in the uh, cable cars and the uh, gondolas and those are lessons they have shown in switzerland that it's entirely feasible to employ all of those um, protocols and uh, you know keep skiing safe so you know i <laughs> my optimism bias again but i'm very positive about next season
1: i'm with you on that one Ian. <laughs>
0: There will be some changes though I think for next season and you know covid is clearly the number one issue uh, the travel industry has had to deal with we haven't even mentioned what used to be referred to as the elephant in the room which <laughs> is which is brexit oh. now I'm aware that hotel plan you know is restructuring you know there's been an office move it's been difficult uh, times there have been some job cuts as well but chalets were cut out of the program very early on possibly in your first week I don't know if the decision had been made uh, before then is that uh, are we going to see chalets again within the hotel plan um product and uh you know how much is brexit a part of that
1: yeah brexit you know i i, I joke from time to time that i i i long for the days when Brexit was the biggest issue I was dealing with. <laughs> but um, yeah, obviously Brexit has a significant impact on us as a business. We have a separate working group within the within our business. Uh, it's four individuals accountable to our CFO to make sure that we are addressing all of the, the regulatory issues, the taxation issues, the, the labor issues. So it's not just about the labor. There's a whole myriad of issues, obviously, that brings up. And I feel that we're well ahead of them and planning well for them. Talking about short term labor and its impact on our chalet program specifically, it has a significant impact because you know the the, the chalet model traditionally has been built on uh, British people, as you know, working a season uh, in in our chalets. Um, we uh, we've reduced the chalet program significantly because what we want to do is make sure that we can create something that customers want and that is financially viable for us. So we're gonna have around 30 odd chalets this year, I think it's 32, and then we'll be looking, okay, well, what are our our alternatives to staffing them? We need to be able to find either Brits with European passports or EU passports or uh, European citizens. I don't think um, that, that... that a, a British skier will be that concerned in the if they want that chalet experience, if it's going to be staffed by a British person or a French person. So we're looking at all those different labour options, but we're also having a really tight look at the chalet model um, in itself. chalet model, I think, has traditionally sort of been Uh, appealing to people booking short term, booking late, getting a really cheap deal to go skiing. That's not gonna be viable for us in the long term. We need to reimagine and rethink what that chalet offering is gonna be to make it uh, much more attractive that people wanna book that early and make sure that we um, provide an offering and a service proposition that meets their needs and people are willing to pay for because it's something that exceeds what they can get elsewhere. The the major major part of our program next year will certainly be in those uh, hotels But I'm confident that with the right planning and the right innovation, we can create a chalet program that is something that in the future we can grow. But we'll see if it works and we'll make the decision at the end of next season.
0: Okay, well, that's very encouraging that chalets are going to be back. And I say it's encouraging. I I say that on the kind of uh, assumption that british uh, skiers do like that chalet holiday concept yeah. you know maybe in a in a, a kind of post covid or, or new normal they might think differently about it that clearly the evident challenge is the employing your staff and how you Definitely. deal with the staffing is the idea that there could there could possibly be an exemption for uh, british staff staffing chalets is that is that a possibility because my understanding is you could advertise that job uh, in the UK, it has to be for like a minimum of eight weeks or something. And if no one applies for it, then you could say, well, actually, this job is exempt and we can employ uh, people from the UK.
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure on that particular point. So we are a member of SBIT, the Seasonal Businesses in Travel, a lobbying group who have been lobbying both here and also in uh, in Europe, and they've been doing a fantastic job of doing so. I'm not holding my breath for any particular labour deal to support seasonal workers. I do, do not think that that's going to be high on the agenda of the UK. Side Brexit negotiators, you know, they're a big a big driver towards Brexit was being able to take control of our own immigration. So then to have to do a deal on a, so, so even work-based immigration, I think it's, it seems counterintuitive and to, the, to the reasons that Brexit began. So I'm not holding my breath. I think we will have to look for options to staff, um, any, all staff that we need, not just in the chalets, our reps that we have. It will have to be local. And look, I think that's a real opportunity for us. You know, It's, it's been fantastic having young Brits working in, in, in the resorts, but there's also an opportunity for us to look for local people with a deeper local knowledge of the, not just the mountains, but the towns and the restaurants. So when you're over there, you've got almost like a concierge that you can call and say which table should i book in this particular restaurant or which run should i head down for this particular challenge i think there's something really rich that we can unlock there and use this force change is a reason to innovate and come up with something new.
0: I know um, Sbit and uh, Charlie Owen uh, from Sbit has been on the show before and he's doing an excellent job in terms of uh, lobbying to government etc so I hope that that will work. I agree with you I don't think there's any particular reason that British guests need to have British staff and uh, those jobs can easily be done by any EU citizens. So let's see how that goes. Certainly we know that chalets are going to be on the cards for next year things as they stand look very positive Positive for next year that bookings are up so it's great to end on a positive side of things let's hope those strong bookings continue joe thank you very much for uh, giving us your time today and i wish you all the best for uh, for next winter and uh, hopefully we'll see you on the slope somewhere
1: hopefully right, so it's been a pleasure and thank you very much
0: Hi there, listener. Ian here. I just wanted to let you know that you can now support the ski podcast at buymeacoffee.com. Researching, recording, editing and publishing the pod takes up a lot of my time. And don't get me wrong, I really enjoy it. You know, I love talking with people about skiing. But if you do enjoy listening to the podcast and you'd like to support us, then you can literally buy me a coffee or in my case it would be a cup of tea, but the idea is the same. So just go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash the ski podcast. Thanks very much.